0: Live
1: from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios.
2: If someone daily wrote or tweeted about me and this show, I would read everything about it.
1: This is the Press Box. Would you feel disrespected,
2: though? Eh, Oh, yeah. Depends on on who it is. With Grady and Bischoff. Hold on, Jared's disappointed in you. Hey, here
1: we go. Happy post-holiday season. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Lots to get through today. Hope you boys had a good holiday season. Rich Versace is going to the playoffs. I'm not so sure you're not correct.
0: (laughs) Do I still have to do the first bite after that? I mean, all right. The first bite. This morning brought to you by (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Do you believe in the... I'm just going to start telling people what you have for (laughs) breakfast each day, Tyler. (laughs) Do you believe in the Raiders' playoff hopes? Listen... I believe in they anyone got who is, through Nick true luck Yeah, this but team I believe, is a team of destiny.
1: I believe in anyone who has not been mathematically eliminated in this <laughs> stupid league, because <laughs> yeah. there's no chance if you out there think you know about this league or haven't figured out, you're wrong and you're lying. No one has any clue on a week-to-week basis what is going to happen, who's going to be who, how many points people are going to score. So yes,
2: I will still believe in them until they are mathematically eliminated. So right now. The seven spot, the final playoff spot in the AFC is occupied by the eight and seven Baltimore Ravens. The Chargers, Raiders, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, and Broncos are all within a game of those Ravens with two games left in the season. The Raiders are tied with them at eight and seven as well. They're tied with the Chargers. The key here for the Raiders though, is that After beating Denver, they control their own destiny. If the Raiders win the last two games of the season, if they beat the Colts and they beat the Chargers, they are in the playoffs. It does not matter what happens in any other game. If they win their last two, they are a playoff. team.
1: And Rich Bisacci is saying contract extension, baby. (laughs) No one believed in me. You thought I was just a special teams coordinator. I'm coming hard and making the playoffs. Uh, Early line on the Colts is seven and a half. But again, who knows? I mean, I, with COVID, you don't know who's going to be on the COVID protocol list. You don't know who's going to go on the last minute. Yesterday, uh, last minute, Brian Edwards goes on. Marcus Mariota goes on. You have no clue on a week-to-week basis. So I'll put, I'll put it out there. I, I don't know if I believe, you know, full-heartedly that they can go to Indianapolis and win. But I also saw the Chargers yesterday. So I have no idea what's going to happen. But they have not been eliminated. Good for them. Says a lot for them that they haven't been eliminated yet. Uh, I know who they played the last two weeks, like Jared said, but you know, you, you play who you play. I mean, they, they,
2: they got the job done. They won both games. So we'll see what they do in Indy. So let me ask you that they have won two in a row, Um, but they've done it against a completely depleted Browns team. And they've done it against a backup quarterback and drew lock and the Broncos. And they've won those games by a score of 16 to 14. And 17 to 13, you don't win a lot of games in the NFL when you don't put up at least 20, but the Raiders done it two in a row. So what's more important to you when we're like, when we're trying to figure out, is this team going to make the playoffs? What's more important? The fact that they won those two games saying, Hey, they won them. They've got a shot or that they played so poorly against bad teams. Oh, that you say there's no chance they actually beat a Colts team or even a Chargers, even though they lost to the Texans.
1: I mean, I do I think they'll beat those teams? I'm not sure about that, but I think it's more important you won the games. If you didn't win the games, you wouldn't be in this position. So I think they probably would say, who cares? We won the games and we can whoa, still make the whoa, playoffs.
2: process, not results? Oh, uh, well. Come on.
1: I think they would say we won the games. Didn't we, Derek they Hart chose quote, process over games, they, at this point, they're not very intelligent.
2: Didn't Derek have a quote yesterday saying all that matters is winning?
1: Yes, after I believe we have like
2: two weeks of Rich Basaccia being like, the process is important, not the result. If you, you can't just look at the scoreboard and judge your life, Besacchia is wrong about that.
1: <laughs> so the only thing that matters is if you win the games. They won both, and they're moving on.
2: I do not believe they are making the playoffs.
1: Well, they're going to be dogs in both games, so that's you know I I don't. That that's not going on limb. I mean, they're, they're already seven and a half point underdogs at Indianapolis.
2: I don't believe they're yeah. making the playoffs.
1: Right. I don't. I don't, think, I don't believe they are either. So, but again, it was not going to. I don't think either of us are falling off the chair of shock just because not only them, but happens what happens on a
2: weekly basis around the league. But I think what we've seen the last two weeks, even though they've won, tells me even more that they're not a playoff team. Like when you go and play the Cleveland Browns with twenty players on the COVID list, and you get Nick Mullins. And you have to drive down the field to kick a game-winning field goal in the final 30 seconds. That's not very good for a playoff <laughs> team, right? And then when you get to play Drew Locke and your defense, I'll say this. The defense holds the Bron- uh, Broncos to under 200 yards of total offense. They kept yet, trying
0: to rush the ball, and I kept going, why?
2: And yet you Let still Locke sling it, beat them by four and because a tight end dropped a pass 30 yards down the field that could have set the Broncos up for a game winning touchdown. That's not exactly screaming to anybody. Hey, this is a playoff team. This is a team that's going to win its last two games and get in. Unless of course the Colts get decimated by COVID. who's the backup quarterback in Indy. Uh, It's the kid from Texas, right? Uh, Ellinger, Sam Ellinger, Carson Wentz on the COVID list. They get Sam Ellinger playoff team, baby.
0: (laughs) You forgot about Herbert in the last. Game, in the last game. Ah,
2: they'll beat. They'll beat
0: those bums. They lost to the Texans. Who needs I mean, that? The Raiders had a pretty good backup last night. He
1: what? was warming up.
0: Oh, Peter Peterman. At one,
1: at one point, he
2: was warming up. We I so told close. you he was on the sideline. Yes, he was. He was warming yeah, when up. When Maryana gets COVID, he's on the sideline. Okay, let me ask you this too. Did deserve- you think that the Raiders established the run finally? Josh Jacobs had a hundred-yard game. Did you think that was the difference in the game? No, I think the fact that they held
1: the Broncos to 18 yards rushing was the difference in the game, <laughs> and their and their defense for the second straight week won the game for them. Um, I I tell you what though, I did like the uh, the opening drive of the second half. I thought that was a pretty good drive where they just said, you know, to hell with it, and like let's see if he can do this, and let's see if he can run well enough, and, and he he block followed. well enough. Finally, that they can block well enough. But no, I think they won the game because the Broncos couldn't move the ball, you know, a lick. They couldn't run. I mean, Jared said it, they they got eighteen yards rushing. I mean, you're not you're not winning ever with eighteen yards rushing. So I put it more on the defense that they won the game.
2: Here's my hot take for you. The Raiders running for 160 yards as a team is bad. <laughs> <It's> just... Because <laughs> The Raiders now think they can win games running the oh, ball.
0: No, that's a bad idea. And they
2: are not going to beat the Colts or the Chargers by handing it off 30-something times and trying to run for 160 yards. They're going to have to win throwing the ball. And what they just did to the Broncos, Rich, I I guarantee Ritz Pisacchi and Greg Olson are going to be like, let's do that again. Let's give Josh Jacobs 24 carries against the Colts. He's Jonathan Taylor. We can do that too. And they're going to lose because Josh Jacobs is going to have... Nineteen carries for sixty-two yards, and you're going to look around saying, "Oh, they scored thirteen points, and Jonathan Taylor had like four touchdowns by himself."
1: I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if they look at it that way. They usually
2: that's how they've been looking at it this whole year, and how they that's how
1: they they've done it most of the year. And they couldn't do anything on the ground because their offensive completely excuse me, their line is completely maligned. And he hasn't look he hasn't had a good year. I think he's probably at seven hundred and some odd yards. He's been very, very average. Some weeks he hasn't been average. Uh, yesterday he just happened to in the second half have a good half. So if you tell me Olson thinks that way, I won't be surprised at all. And you're right; they're not going to go into to Indianapolis and run the ball and win. Um, <laughs> I mean, not with Jonathan Taylor on the other side and them scoring. You know, here's the thing: if they go in and score under 20, they have absolutely zero chance. Yeah, like, they can't. They're, they're not going to be able to keep up. I'll
2: give them a little bit of hope because Carson Wentz might throw a couple of pick sexes. Like there's Carson Wentz. He's been, he's been good this year for Carson Wentz, but there's still a chance he makes two or three throws that just hand the Raiders like 14 points. So I, there's always that chance, even though Carson Wentz has been a little bit better. He still might throw one from his own end zone
0: straight to Yannick Ngakwe for an easy uh, touchdown. I've never seen a quarterback isolate his legs. Like actually, no, just excommunicate his legs from the equation while throwing in need needlessly, like genuinely, like you're not under pressure, dude. You can, you can use, use your
2: hips, do something. I do need to give some credit to rich Passaccia and the Raiders for being aggressive. I come out here and yell about rich Passaccia being too conservative one on a fourth and one from the Denver 46 yard line. He went for it.
1: Well, why wouldn't you with that running Finally
2: went for it. Well, he didn't give it to Jacobs. He (laughs) snuck it with Derek Carr. Well, the funny thing is Jacobs didn't pick up the third and one. They had a third and And one gave it to Jacobs, didn't get it. Carr didn't make it by a lot. No, quarterback sneak. I mean, and he, he didn't yeah. make that by a lot. I, so, but the, the spot was very kind. Yes,
1: the spot was really kind. Went
2: forward on fourth and one near midfield. Got it. They end up kicking a field goal on that drive. Rich Basaccia got them points by being aggressive in that scenario. But then my favorite play call, and I don't think Basaccia deserves credit. This is probably more Greg Olson. This, this is Olson. This is Olson. Third and two. Raiders get a first down. The game is over. They can run the clock out. If they don't, they've got to punt it away. They passed. They actually threw the ball and Foster Moreau was wide open, like 10 yards right. down the field. They passed. I Teams that like you get to third and two or three or something like that. And you have, Hey, once if we get the first down, it's over. We win the game. The amount of teams that still run the ball because, Oh, we got to burn a timeout or we got to kill some more clock. No, no throw the ball, get the first down and in the game. And they did that Two aggressive play calls. Decisions made in this game were massive factors in the Raiders winning So I got to give them credit because I've been, I've been, they've been bad. They've been very conservative since Passaccia took over, but they were a little bit aggressive yesterday.
1: Most of those times in those situations, like if you can't get two yards, you don't deserve to win. Like, you know, they like (laughs) try to fire up the offensive line. Like, you know, if you you, you blow someone off the line, let's get these two yards. Are you more, are you more surprised that they passed on third and two or that Moro got the ball?
2: (laughs) It was a little awkward throw. Like card just sort of like. Floated
0: it he up was, there. He was like, so open. It yes. was almost
1: like he was worried that yes. you know one of those throws where it should be kind of a sharp throw. He's like, oh god, he's so open and just kind of floated it and just opened <laughs>
0: The best part was uh, they've been setting that up all game. They've been setting that. They've been setting that up all game. <laughs> <laughs> they've been setting Foster Moreau wanders down the yeah. field aimlessly all game.
2: That is a good way to describe the route, wandering aimlessly. I think that's the what field. he said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Forty-two green, Foster uh, wander aimlessly on two.
2: Because it, it listen, it probably should have been a touchdown. Like if Foster Moreau just runs throw straight to a
0: wide receiver, and
2: Derek Carr. Well, they might cover a wide receiver, Jared. You got to trick them with the with the white guy who they might think is the tackle on the end of the line. Like you got to do that. So if it's Foster Moreau just wandering down the field, it, it's going to work. We had like three tackles score touchdowns yesterday. By the way, in the NFL, the Eagles had one, the Cowboys had one, and I think I might be missing another offensive lineman that scored a touchdown. The Cowboys were just making fun of the of Washington yesterday. The cat, cow- well, they're just making fun of because
1: them. the Cowboys loved the Raiders yesterday. Because <sighs> once the Raiders won, the Cowboys, yeah, how were about NFC that? East. that? The Raiders that was clinched so weird. The, the NFC East. Yeah. and I know it's because like the whole they played the division and all that, but it was just strange to hear. Hey, the Raiders won, so the Cowboys have clinched the AFC. So I looked it Adam I'm like. Not even the same conference. Like it was, <laughs> it was strange. We're waiting for the Rich Versace to come in. And someone said that. I'm like, that doesn't make yeah, any sense.
2: It is so. Uh, the Cowboys clinched the NFC East when the Raiders beat the Broncos, and the reasoning is that the Eagles could have still technically caught and tied the Cowboys, but the tiebreaker would have been strength of victory. Yes, and that's just the combined winning percentage of the teams you've beaten. What? Um, with the Raiders win, because the Cowboys beat the Raiders and the Eagles lost to the Raiders, the Cowboys clinched yeah. the strength of victory in the NFC. East. They then decimated Washington, and they—I was going to say the Cowboys they, then kind of yeah. took care of business did, they, by themselves. It didn't matter. It's like forty-two-seven, but, but yes, at the Raiders—the Raiders helped clinch the NFC East yesterday, so at least they clinched somebody. Look at that—they stayed in
1: playoff hopes alive, and they're also helping other teams. I mean, this team is off and running. They've got a great chance.
2: All right, coming up next. When's the best time to ask Bill Belichick about his New Year's resolution? Um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers?
1: Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
2: Do we know who that was?
1: I have absolutely no idea, but I give her a standing ovation it and applaud I'm best so question. sorry. <laughs> Maybe well. my
2: favorite question that has ever been asked <laughs> in a post-game press conference. It's, it's so good because there's so many levels to this. She's asking about New Year's resolutions to, who knows why, write a story about, hey, here's what the Patriots want for the New Year's or something, which is a perfectly fine story, but the part that is so great about it, is that she asked Bill Belichick and she asked Damian Harris the same question later on. She asked Bill Belichick after they just lost to the Bills, Brutal after too. the Patriots essentially just lost the division to the Bills, that question. And the first level is A, asking that question after a loss. Because for most coaches that aren't Bill Belichick, you can ask that question after a win, right? Hell, you might no, even be able sure. to ask Bill Belichick sure. that question after a win. Sure. But doing it after a loss is hilarious, right? But also the part that I enjoy very much. And again, I don't know who she is, so I assume she doesn't cover the Patriots every day. Well, Bill Belichick's going to talk to the media again before the new year. Like, he's going to have right. another press conference this right. week before the new year gets here. So it's not like this was her one-shot the one chance to ask Bill Belichick questions no but she might have been first. such a non-football media person she right. didn't even know he talked to the game right and so that's that's what i love about it is that she whatever got credentials to do a story or whatever she's doing and was like this is my one shot and so she's probably sitting there the entire game just come on patriots you guys have to win this game so i can ask these damn questions <laughs> I don't even know if
1: she was doing that. <laughs>
2: I think she went there specifically just to write a story about resolution. Right. She goes, I'm just going to ask people stuff. Right. But she. But if you have to know ahead of time, well, like, I hey, don't know. they got to win so I can ask get answers to these questions. And even though they lost, she still was like, listen, I got a job to do. I got to get yeah. this story. So let's get these questions in. Adam
1: reminded me of one question that might have been better years ago. Where there was a huge UFC event, and in typical UFC, a million crazy things happened with the fights. I mean, it was just a, a chaotic night, and somehow Home and Garden got a credential to the fights. Is that a magazine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the Home and Garden <laughs> reporter asked Dana White, "Dana, uh, I know you know it's not about the fights, but I'm from Home and Garden. I wanted to talk to you about like your your uh, what was it your your house and your your decor." and <laughs> let's just say Dana White responded with something to the effect of who in the bleep let this person in? And then I think he was nice about it. said, look, just get a hold of my PR people. This isn't the time, but I just wanted to be there. I was not there, and Heidi was there. And she turned around. She told Adam, last so she goes, oh, my God, I remember that. It was home and garden, asking Dana, like, what's your decor of your house? That's great. That would have been classic was, to see that. Was
2: this one of the UFC press conferences where they had the fans? there as well? I have no idea. because I just
1: know Home and Garden asked that question.
2: That's probably my favorite part of UFC's like staging the press conferences, where there are also fans there to just yes. react to the press conference. Yes. It's it's a great setting. Boo the media. Yes, it's they a hate great the media. Setting. Oh, it's a great setting. Yeah. I it, love that. Any so controversial much. question, they boo the media. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they're in the back like screaming at people. I think uh, we need that
2: in more sports. Oh, yeah. Just a group of fans that get to come and just sit in the back of a press at conference and heckle Whoever they want. You ask a bad question, you get heckled. If they give a bad answer, they get heckled. That's That That would be tremendous. Tremendous
0: work if we could get that in all sports. I'm kind of sad I didn't grab the, the the Damian Harris sound because he at least went, I like the question, though. No. <laughs> he wouldn't answer me. He no, no the he's question. like, I'm focused on winning games right now. I like the question. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, catch me after. Yes. <laughs> it was almost
1: like Belichick was so shocked he just kind of I mean, you know, at the end, he goes, maybe next week. I mean,
2: he didn't, like, respond or, like, you know, maybe people thought he would. Well, remember, last week, he apologized 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 to to the media media because he was, like, sorry for being so short with you. Right. After their last loss. And so, I I almost wonder if there was a, like, Bill Belichick gets asked that question, and because he apologized, like, five days ago, he can't, like, rip into her or whatever. He's got to be, like, as respectfully say no as possible. Right. Right. So like a good good timing by the question to not get lit up, because yeah. if, if you're you apologize five days ago, if then the next time you talk to the media, you just rip somebody again. Yeah. Then the apology. Man, yeah. You're going to be exactly like, oh, so, yeah. OK, you're going to apologize again, Bill, every every week. I would like, do this? You know what? I'd like to retract the apology. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you about that question. That would have been a great way to answer that question. All right, guys, I know I apologized like five days ago. Taking that with that question, (laughs) we're taking it all back. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) All right, we also have more audio. This is from Antonio Brown, and I believe this is Jenna Lane who covers the the Bucks for ESPN, asking the question here. Uh, This is Antonio Brown. He had 101 yards his first game back from suspension. Here's how his post-game press conference
0: went. I know Coach Arians had told you when you came to this team, you know, you screw up one time and, and you're done. And some people would deem what happened as a screw up, but Coach Harry stood by your side and, and he brought you back. Just what did it mean for you after being here for a year to have a coach Next question. standing in your corner? Next question. We just want to talk about this game. We don't, we don't want to waste no time with you guys writing in bogus. Res- respectfully, respectfully, yeah. Antonio, we haven't talked to you yet. We haven't yeah, talked but to you I don't want to talk time. about that. You got you guys is all drama. It's all about football. We, we do not talk about Carolina. I don't want to talk to you guys.
2: Antonio Brown said, "You guys, referring to the media, you guys are all drama.
1: The most <laughs> drama-infused player in oh, the last how many years? Let me throw some furniture off yeah. of his desk. Let me do that. Let me uh, freeze my feet. Like, let me come in and, and, and degrade people. Let me have you know <sighs> fights at my house. Let me do all these things. Does and he still have ongoing need. litigation with his personal trainer? Really oh, let me, made, the chef. The chef. Yeah, okay. let me not paid pay the people. The chef, yeah. Let me not pay the chef. He paid him." Their, well,
2: he paid him for the vaccine card. The, we know that. <laughs> oh, okay. The, his, Antonio Brown's lawyer said that they they settled. They didn't say how much, but they said they settled with the personal chef. Yeah, the media creates a drama in this guy's life. Like I Okay, we make fun of Derek Carr because Derek Carr is like, I don't read. And then Derek Carr very clearly yeah. reads and says, you guys put me on the front page of the newspaper.
3: Make up stuff.
2: Derek Carr is somebody that I think could reasonably say, hey, there's no drama with me. You guys create a lot of drama to the media because... Derek Carr doesn't do very much. I'm pretty sure he goes home and he plays with his kids. Right.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Derek Carr is very much an NFL player who could rightfully <laughs> accuse the media of, like, creating drama when it comes to his future and who the next quarterback's going to be. Antonio Brown is not an NFL no. player that can say anyone else creates drama except him. No one else. If anything, he doesn't get talked about enough for how many insane things he's done just in the last, like, Four years, three years. Oh yeah, I mean, just since the Raiders acquired him, it's been insane. He does not. He has no way. No, no, no chance. He can actually say you guys create drama.
0: And Arians, he settled with the personal trainer on April
1: twenty second. And Arians brought him back because, like he should yesterday, great player. I've been... I mean, he's just. They brought him back because this guy could sit out eight weeks, come back and catch a hundred yards pass. Yeah. He's he's that great. Car yesterday, by the way, the post game. Do you see on the field the post game comments? What? Well, everyone around here is talking about my future. My future's quarterback in the locker room's like, yeah, hey, you read Adam Hill's story this week because the entire story was about his future and if he's coming back. Like, who else would you be talking about? Like, but you're right. That, yeah, Adam Hill uh, review journal uh, <laughs> notes. <laughs> I mean, you know, when he just threat he he loves to just like you said, he throws that stuff out there where you're like then don't say you don't pay attention right? because of obviously you pay attention you read everything and if
2: you don't read it your two brothers are telling you what was written and here's the thing i think like i like when a player very clearly read or listened or watched something and then and then we'll like fire back at a media member even if it's just in a somewhat joking manner like i
0: i enjoy that i mean my favorite one ever is doesn't matter what i say mike you're gonna write fucking <laughs> Every time, so it doesn't matter what you say. Right, but good because
1: the, the, the thing about it is nobody cares. They think there's this sense of if they admit they read or they admit they listen, it makes them I don't know lesser of a player or weaker as a player.
2: Nobody cares. I, just say that you read it. Nobody yeah. cares about that stuff. And it's great because you can fire back and be like, Yeah, I read that you Derek Carr's done it this year. You didn't pick us to win or whatever. Right, I, that's right. great. But Derek Carr also is there comes out and is like, Oh, I I don't I listen don't, to anything. I don't up. listen to Yeah, that. I don't. You listen to everything. So just, yeah, just admit it. Eight-year starter. Make fun of people. Four,
1: what was the stat yesterday? Four quarterbacks in the last however many years have thrown for 4,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. It's like Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, and Carr. So he's a really good quarterback, and yet I still think he's one of the most insecure guys in the league. <laughs> I really do. And he's a really good quarterback. But a guy who goes out of his way that many times to say he doesn't listen or read is insecure.
2: Now imagine if he had Antonio Brown with him.
0: Oh, they should trade for him. (laughs) Coming up next, Sam Gordon joins the show.
2: I've never
1: seen anything like this guy. And we better sure as hell be thanking our lucky stars for this guy. This guy has played. He has given us the most beautiful basketball over the last however many years. And he's still giving it to us on Christmas Day. Did he break the
0: record today scoring? Yeah. That's fantastic. At least I can say I was there for that.
1: It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas, 1100
2: AM and 100.9 FM.
0: Stanley
1: Johnson?
2: <laughs> Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Good morning, Sam. It's Sam, A. Do you believe... Good morning, fellas. Do you believe in the Raiders' playoff hopes? Um...
3: <laughs> Uh, not not entirely. No, no, I don't. I mean, clearly they're still mathematically in the picture, uh, and they and they took care of business yesterday. But I, I'm still. You got to go to Indy next week. Indy is as hot as any team in the league, uh, coming off Windsor, Arizona, New England. You know, bona fide kind of playoff teams. And and when I look at the Raiders, um, yes, they won. yesterday defense was spectacular. But seven out last day games, 17 points or fewer. Uh, I just think at some point. I mean, it already almost caught up to them. I think at some point. When you take a look at these last two offenses, they're going to have to face Indianapolis um, and the Chargers. That you're going to have to outscore one of those teams, and, and we're still not sure if the Raiders can do that. So yeah, they're they're still in the mix and and they're still right there, um, but but I, I I don't yet feel like this is a um a playoff caliber team just based on what we've seen throughout the course of the totality of the season. Um, they've done what they had to do to stay alive, but but it's, it's only getting harder from here. And, and Indy is really really good uh, on both sides of the ball. You got an MVP candidate running back. You got a very very good defense and Carson Wentz is playing some excellent football. So they're going to have to go in there and win the game. I I think that's going to be a tall, 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 tall task. But if they they can take care of that, you you ask me the same question um, next week, I might have a different answer for you.
1: Yeah, I'm actually surprised it's only seven and a half. to tell you the truth, maybe because the Raiders are 1-2 straight, but it's only seven and a half at this point. I actually think that'll be bet up. Um, You saw Josh Jacobs in the second half last night. night. Uh, He has not been good for most of the year. The offensive line has been terrible for most of the year, so you think that half was just a one-off?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Um, the, the the Raiders have, have had success um, running the ball against Denver the last couple of years. I don't know if it's just a matchup thing. That's actually Josh Jacobs had you know had 129 yards yesterday. His previous 100 be- uh, yard game came last year uh, against the Broncos at Legion Stadium. Um, now, now again, credit where credit is due, they were able to execute um, and run the ball. But it was just, I mean, based on what we've seen all year, where they haven't been able to do it. I'd be hard pressed to imagine they just all of a sudden figure something out at the end of December. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they go out next week against the Colts and, and run for 200 yards again as well. But they've just they haven't done that. Josh Jacobs, even with last year's or be with, with yesterday's game, still only averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Um, like you mentioned, Ed, the offensive line has been super shaky. So, um, I, yeah, I do think that's a one off. If they can if they can duplicate the performance again next week, well, it, we, we can revisit this conversation. But it's just been so bad. Um, and, and running all year, and again, Indianapolis very good defense, very good, very good team. Definitely, I think a contender in a, what, what what appears to be a, a wide open AFC, and uh, and they they're going to watch the film and and not just let uh, the, the Raiders run all over them like like Denver did yesterday. So, um, I, I think it's a one off, but but of course, that's why they play the games. We'll see what happens Sunday.
2: Are the Raiders' offensive problems like? They were they were good earlier in the year. Is it as simple as mm-hmm. they've lost Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs? They don't have the passing game weapons, or is there more to it than that?
3: Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a huge piece of it, and I also think um, the loss of, of John Gruden has something to do with that as well. You know him and him and Derek Carr. You know, got the sense that they had a real um, rapport over the that they developed you know since two thousand eighteen, and when when you don't have him, that's that's tough. Um, that's that's tough obviously we understand what happened and why he's not there but i think it's it's threefold all all three of those things um have played a role in it and and you're just asking a lot of guys that haven't necessarily um, been in marquee roles before now hunter renful obviously stepped up has proved that he is a bona fide um thousand yard caliber receiver i think he's going to eclipse the 100 catch mark he's going to he's going to have over a thousand yards and he's really emerged as a a viable viable option in this league in, in the passing game but the best offenses, good offenses, have two, three guys of that caliber. And, and like you said, Tyler, without Darren Waller, without Henry Ruggs, who was on pace for 1,000 yards, the offense just doesn't have the same pop. You're asking other guys to step up, and they've, they've done so enough to keep the Raiders in the playoff mix, but but clearly not enough to sustain what at the beginning of the year was an offense that was going over 400 yards um, seemingly every week. So uh, I, I think it's a combination of those things, and uh, I think it's really going to take an offseason season to correct, um, depending on what happens, what they do in free agency, what they do with with, with their coaching situation, uh, but they haven't been good on offense. Uh, again, seven of the last day games, 17 points or fewer. I just think long-term, um, that's not going to cut it, even if you're going to win a couple games here at the end of the year. I
1: mean, I don't know if they're good enough defensively to win those next two games, because like you said, they're not even scoring 20 points. Do you think it's been they've been that good, or do you think it's been more Nick Mullins and Drew Locke?
3: Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think it's, it's been Nick Mullins and, and, and Drew Locke. Now, again, gotta credit the Raiders. I mean, the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, Mike White torched the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, a, a, a few, a couple months ago for over 400 yards. Like, backup quarterbacks are still more than capable of, of having big games, but you didn't face, I mean, Cleveland, let's let's face it, not only was it Nick Mullins, it was like their entire, you know, JV team, and then Drew Locke was benched for a reason, right? Like, he was one of the worst quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL last year. You're getting him in here at a crucial week, uh, or at a crucial time of the year, Uh, without a ton of experience this year and and, and you saw what he brought to the table yesterday, unable to to really punish single coverage or able to to do anything down the field. Now the Raiders still had to have the proper game plan in place and they did and they get credit for that, completely swallowing up what was a very effective um, Denver running game. But you're able to do that. You're able to dedicate so many resources to stopping the run when you have a quarterback out there that you know that can't really hurt you like that. And um, Drew Locke wasn't able to take advantage of those matchups and you know, Carson Wentz, what we, I mean, he's not Joe Montana or anything like that, but obviously a significant upgrade over the quarterbacks they played the last couple of weeks, and he's having a, a very solid bounce-back year. I think Indy's offense is extremely well-rounded. You have Michael Pittman on the perimeter, who's emerging as a star uh, receiver in this league, and then Jonathan Taylor again um, as, good of, as having as good of a, a season for a running back that we've seen in you know the last 10 or 15 years. So much, much, much taller task, but I, I do think the Raiders deserve – you know, some credit, obviously a lot of credit, um, but it, it's definitely happenstance as well, based on the quarterbacks they played.
2: So, if if I play a little hypothetical with you, and let's just say the Raiders win their last two and they get into the yeah. playoffs, uh, and we'll we'll just assume Kansas City gets the one seed. Who yeah. is there a team outside of Kansas City you look at in the AFC and you say the Raiders cannot beat that team?
3: Um, I think Buffalo. Um, would be tough to beat. Uh, it seems they've had an up-and-down year, of course, but it really seems like they're starting to, to find a groove um, at the right time. And when, when you're able to carve up a, a Bill Belichick defense, um, like the way they did yesterday and with, with the way their defense has played for, for um, you know, these last few weeks here, I think they'd be dangerous. Not, not unbeatable by any means, but they'd be very, very dangerous. But other than that, you take a look at the AFC. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. The AFC North isn't very good. We do understand the AFC South. Uh, yes, Indy's Indy's very good, but but I don't think they're unbeatable uh, by any means. Kansas City is really the only team that has distinguished itself um, in the AFC this year. I just think it speaks to the parity uh, of this season overall. I think we have a couple more clear favorites um, in the NFC, but there's been so many weird games and so many upsets. I mean, you take a look at yesterday, at uh, the Chargers team that that we thought was in clear you know control of their own destiny gets blown off the field by uh, a team that has nothing to play for in the Houston Texans. So you never know. Uh, you never know. Uh, but of course, the, 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 with the Raiders' offensive issues, um, I think any game in the playoffs is going to be is going to be a challenge. And, and, and Buffalo and Kansas City definitely have distinguished themselves, in my opinion, as the top two teams in the conference.
1: Sam Gordon, Review Journal, here with us on the press box. All right, right, got to ask you uh, one question at least because uh, you also cover UNLV basketball. They've been really good against quote-unquote average to bad teams they haven't been really good against good teams they open up against a good team on Saturday in San Diego State have you seen anything that would make you believe they can actually contend with the Carter States the San Diego States the Boise States
3: um not yet no no to your point um they've yeah they've, they've just they struggled against anybody that's any good and yes they've they beat the teams they're supposed to beat but um I, I still think offensively it gets a little too clunky at times when they, when they play against good defensive teams. I think you still see guys uh, pressing the issue a little too much. Now the ball movement, the player movement, the passing, the cutting, all that's been better uh, against the bad teams, but that's not by mistake. Like that's not by accident. It's much easier to execute what you want to do uh, against, against teams that aren't, that don't match up with you personnel wise. Now, when you get in the mountain West, when you have teams that, that have big time players and that, that are, that have scouted the rebels, have had these this time here to prepare for what they bring to the table uh, I think it's going to be much more of a struggle. Now, with that said, you do have a roster full of players that have played in the Power Five that understand how to succeed um, in, in big-time college basketball. Uh, it, it's just the matter of can they do it. I don't think we've seen anything yet. It doesn't, mean it's, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but we have to go out there and see it against a good team before we can believe it. And, frankly, we haven't seen yet yet through a you know, month and a half of the season.
2: They got picked to finish seventh in the preseason poll. Wyoming is past them in, like, Ken Palm and net rankings. Uh, so they're currently eighth best team in the Mountain West. How high do you think they finish in the Mountain West standings?
3: Yeah, I think they can definitely finish um, in the top half, uh, and 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 maybe you know maybe they're able to challenge some of the better teams in, in, in individual games. Uh, but it's it's just I, I don't think I'm I'm still skeptical uh, about the scoring, about the offense. Where is that going to come from in, in conference play? Um, if not Bryce Hamilton, we understand he's a proven scorer in the Mountain West level and is enjoy and it, is really enjoying. Uh, a nice season up to this point. I think he was in struggles early on, but he figured out how to play a more efficient brand of basketball. He'd been doing so, you know, largely against the, those teams that, that we have mentioned kind of those bottom feeder teams uh, are around the country. But other than that, who, who's proven that they can go get a bucket on a consistent basis. I think that's, that's going to have to really develop. They're going to have to find a reliable number two and probably even a number three um, scoring option in league play. Um, they've been able to piece that together by by committee, and Donovan Williams has certainly had a couple nice games. But uh, without uh, re- without reliable offense, without um, you know kind of consistent and, and steady production from a couple other guys, uh, I'm not sure how how high this this team ceiling is. Now again, maybe maybe something happens, and maybe in conference play something clicks and guys develop into more defined roles. But I just don't think we've seen that yet against the caliber of competition. You know, he's going to have to play. Uh, in the Mountain West, um, I think a top half. You know, I think they're good enough defensively, uh, and, and they're and they're deep enough to, to contend and, and be in the top half of the league. Uh, but I still think they're they're a little ways away from from being a uh, you know a real contender in the conference, given the the how established the programs like San Diego State and Colorado State are at this point in time.
2: Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, as always, thanks for joining thanks, us. Thanks, Sam. I right, appreciate, it, guys. Take, Take care of yourself. All right, coming up next, we got a coach in Las Vegas that might be on the way out.
1: So it'll be second down with Carr back into the gun. Jacobs alongside. Renfro is slotted to the right. Carr is going to throw it again. Steps and he's down. Slips loose. Fumble. Ball's on the
3: ground. Broncos jump on it. Broncos recover the fumble. The Chiefs go giant, giant, giant. Because Allegretti and Blythe in. They only have eight offensive linemen eligible. And seven are in right now. They try it on a push left side, breaking it off a hit, ending near side, touchdown, Kansas City, Clyde Edwards Hilaire.
1: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
0: Derek Carr fumbles a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I can't wait till Graney's grades because I'd like, I've got a special grade that I'm going to ask you guys yes. about. Yes. All right.
2: I absolutely think he does. He fumbles a lot.
0: All right. Here's a
2: interesting story from The Athletic about the Las Vegas Aces and Bill Lambeer getting kind of, sort of replaced as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Sham Sharni reported that the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty are pursuing, pursuing Becky Hammond to be their head coach. Hammond is still an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs. According to the story, if Hammond were to accept the Aces job, Bill Lambeer would step aside and potentially fill a different organizational role. Currently, the Aces still don't have a general manager. Their GM, Dan Padover, left and took the job with Atlanta. Do you believe Bill Lambeer would step aside for somebody else to coach this team? I think he would. I absolutely think if if he's the GM and he gets all roster decisions,
1: he gets the draft decisions, and he gets to kind of be in charge. um, I actually think he would. I don't know if he's
0: doesn't tar- have to travel.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's tired of coaching. That's a good point. I don't I don't know if he's tired of that. Um I don't know. Mark Davis, uh, when he bought the team, spoke if he spoke of Gruden as a ten, he spoke of Lambeer as like a nine and a half. So I don't know if he would have asked Lambeer to step away as a coach. I don't know if he's in that mode yet. Mark Davis is with that team. I think he just kind of enjoys owning the team. He's building the facility down by the Raiders facility for the Aces. To Ask Lambeer to step aside. I think this might have been
2: Lambeer's idea. That was my other thought. That exact uh, train of thought there was that it feels like Mark Davis is sort of letting Bill Lambeer do yeah, what, what he, he wants, wants to do. And that if they're going to hire Becky Hammond, it's Bill Lambeer making that decision. But it still, it still came off as very weird. Like that Bill Lambeer. Well, it came out who, as shocking when I read the story. I'm right. Like, really? That Bill Lambeer, who who's been a coach in the WNBA for a very long Long time, has won WNBA titles, has been, obviously the Aces have been very good since he's been here, like that he would just sort of willingly step aside and let Becky Hammond, even if you become the GM, right? It still seems weird to me that a guy who's been coaching for so long would say, eh, yeah, let somebody else do it. I'll just sign the free agents.
0: During when they had a big, like Olympic break, the One time, didn't he say he wasn't even gonna watch the Olympics? He was just gonna like yes. hang out and he's going to his farm. His, farm. his farm in Michigan, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He so, wasn't gonna even watch. so so maybe like he'll we'll get an NBA draft, a WNBA draft where he's like, Hold on, I gotta plow
1: something. Maybe like Jared said, he's tired of the WNBA travel restrictions and, and, <laughs> and getting stuck in airports and like having to take charters and
2: doing all this. Well, no, crazy I thought stuff. he could travel, however, he could does he charter? I don't know. I don't think he... I don't know. I think that that only applies to the players. I'd have to double-check that, but I'm I'm almost certain it only applies to the players. Like, if he wanted to, he could fly however he wants. But are we sure he likes basketball?
1: In its current form?
2: (laughs) Again, I'm not so sure how much he likes coaching
1: anymore. I think he likes basketball. Um, What do you think about Becky Hammond?
2: I think this would be a big blow to her chances of being a head coach in the NBA.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, um, yeah.
1: I think if she takes this job, she's kind of set
2: her path yeah. forward as a WNBA head coach. Yeah, because you don't there's there's not like like Lambeard a perfect example. No NBA team is an NBA team ever been interested in no. coaching their team. And he's been extremely successful yeah. as a WNBA coach. Like there's not that jump of, oh, hey, that's, that guy's killing it or that girl's killing in the WNBA. Let's go get them. So if Becky Hammond becomes the head coach, not that it couldn't happen, but making that jump then from WNBA to NBA head coach seems like it's not, it's not an avenue that the NBA explores. So I think it would kind of kill off or or at least be a step back in terms of, if her goal is to be an NBA coach, I think this is a step backwards on that path. Now her goal might just simply be to be a head coach or something. And then obviously this is head coach. I am curious. I don't, because NBA coach salaries aren't like exactly public. Is that a pay cut? Uh, yeah, head they're coach? not
0: not a
1: lot of them. I think when Kerr signed his last deal, it was five to six million a year. You see some you see some salaries with the uh, with the men's coaches in the NBA. I couldn't
2: tell you what Lambeer made. No idea. I have, have, have no clue. What he's they, also what the more than the head coach. He's like the ace's czar. So yeah, I don't, he's don't know kind of know makes, makes all decisions so, there.
1: Pay cut? I mean, she's what <laughs> one of three or four assistants. That's a great question. I Can't answer it. I, I, I mean, never mind. Do I not? I, I mean, I, I like I said, Popovich's salary has been made public. You've never heard what assistants make. I, yeah. If you told me, I don't know, she makes three
2: hundred thousand or four hundred, I'd say okay. I have no over a hundred thousand. I don't know what she'd make as assistant in the NBA. So my my thought on it for Becky Hammond, without you know knowing Becky Hammond, if her goal is to be an NBA coach, I highly doubt she takes this or the New York Liberty job simply because a it might be a pay cut and. People don't usually take pay cuts, but also B, it makes it harder to get an NBA job right. than being an NBA assistant. So unless her goal is to just, yeah, coach in the WNBA, sounds being a head coach there sounds great. I don't think she takes either one of these jobs. I just don't think it happens.
1: I'm still not even sure she'll be an
2: NBA coach. That might not happen ever either, too.